But yeah, Alabama, Alabama Senator Doug Jones, by the way, who is only a senator because of the vicious attacks against Judge Roy Moore, the vicious attacks against him. Now, look, folks, you know, when you have people who want to tell you that sexually almost anything is okay, anything, and then want to somehow judge a man who's served, I believe he served in Vietnam, but he's certainly serving during the Vietnam War, comes home from the military and is looking to date, looking to get married, and nothing untoward that we've heard, parents fully involved. Um, You know, in fact, my wife and I were having a discussion about this. You know, these things shift and change culturally because Mary, based upon our best guesses, given the, the age at which young girls would marry during that time and become betrothed, Mary was probably somewhere between the age of 15 and 17 years old. Somewhere in there. But of course, she was a very spiritually mature woman, young lady, who was used mightily by God. So this man comes home and he dates girls and, 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 and some of them are young. Yes, some of them are young. But suddenly they want to turn him into a pedophile. Um, damn. We living in some fucked up times right now, yo. All in the name of religion. Woo, y'all profane faith this week is on. Come on! He said, in there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on and made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, y'all. How's it going? What's happening? It's back. We're back. All back here. Profane Faith. Welcome. It's your boy, as always, your host for Profane Faith, Daniel White Hodge. And man, welcome to the season that just continues. Man, I'm telling you, this is episode, what are we at? Episode 30? Oh my gosh. Um, there's a lot going on. There is oh mercy. Um well, first and foremost, before we even get into the into the deep end, um, hopefully everybody's doing well uh, at this time. If you again, if you're listening in real time, this is uh, now finally it's finally uh, spring. Today uh, was 85. I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? I will take it. Um, although <laughs> yesterday was 50 something, and last night it got down to 45. But uh, you know, we won't. We won't mention that right now. Um, the summer is slow and coming, or spring is slow and coming. Although my grass seeds are planted, and I'm excited to get a crop of seedlings soon. You know, gardening. Well, really, um, the outdoors type stuff is, is great uh, in the summer for me. I love it. It's a great way to stay in shape. 
For me, it is a great way to um, just be in the dirt and see completion. And, you know, I love the soil and the smell of it and the worms and all that good stuff. It's not for everybody. I get that. And I know that, you know, everybody that that's not their thing. But man alive, I just I enjoy being out and being able to just see completion i mentioned this on the show all the time in regards to that but um i just i and i and and you know what part of it is is the excitement just the psychological excitement of of planting something and then seeing it come up and out and nurturing that um maybe it's my you know type b personality enneagram four i don't know what it is but at any rate i definitely enjoy uh just doing that and just you know the create i guess maybe the creativity in it and whatnot and so this year as you know i bought official official sod certified seed so it's like the same seed they use on sod farms um because i was like man sod has to be made somewhere right so I went out and invested a pretty penny, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We've had a good uh, week of some good showers, and I have made my own organic concoctions. Of uh, of I've I've been uh, I did some mulching. I have my own mulcher, uh, like a whole little machine. Like so, I gathered up all the the fall leaves uh, that had been sitting on the grass because that was one of the things I learned to do was just you know let it sit over over the spring, which was great. Um, and especially since the harsh winter that we had in Chicago and. Um, uh, yeah, and then I mulched all that stuff down, put it in a container, been letting it sit with rainwater, which is just high in nutrients, and been putting that and making my own fertilizer. So it's great. Uh, I bet you didn't think this was the uh, show, the podcast on gardening, home gardening, and lawns. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, uh, it's a good spiritual exercise because, you know, I, I'm able to either just, you know, let my mind just wander and relax and i'm just continually learning how to be present and in the moment as my therapist always says uh and encourages me to do um and just a time you know just to kind of think through just basic things and again it's fun to have pets out there and so for me it's a it's a spiritual practice um and you know i am in a place where i'm really trying to deconstruct um a lot of what I have learned as a Christian uh, in my own seminary upbringing, what I have learned in uh, just training, uh, just around the Christian faith. And part of that is a challenge because as we know, um, this stuff goes deep. Um, This stuff goes deep. The stuff that we do in the name of religion, which is a large part of the conversation I'm about to have with Kate. I'll get ready to introduce her because man, this 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 episode's on fire, y'all. This this woo, this is conversation is this deep. You you go check it out. <laughs> um, but um, you know, trying to my goal and and I've, again I mentioned this a lot and I just want to keep bringing it up because I, this may be the first time you're listening. Maybe you're a regular listener and I know I have a lot of great uh, weekly listeners. Thank you for the support, the emails, the texts. Um, I'm always amazed at just at who listens um, and and who's who's a regular. So thank you. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I was having a, a conversation with a good friend of mine who just came into town from Denver. Uh, we were having a great conversation just about decolonizing the mind and just how deep 
white evangelicalism and just the colonization that has been given to us that is Christianity goes like you know to fight for it to to you know to give up other things for it all in the name of a perceived God that you know I don't really believe exists in that sense I don't believe in a white God I don't believe in the evangelical God um, and so for me and in that sense you could call me an atheist you could call me uh, Gnostic however you want to say it now at the end of the day I do believe that there is a God I, I do find myself in a Christian faith um, but all that being said it is an interesting space to find yourself in as a person of color as a black man racially and as a um, you know Afro Latino uh, 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 ethnically it you know it, it you, religion is steeped into our and, and it's baked into everything we do right um you know the this the, this week there's all kind of you know conferences going on um you know i used to attend the urban youth workers institute um out in la and stuff you know and i got a lot of love for them i really do but gosh dog it's man so much of the propagation of white conservative ideological structures uh, is there, you know, and I was like their liberal friend for many years, you know, until, you know, uh, I gave a workshop and I called into question, right, the essence of white Jesus and the, the construct of who white Jesus is, you know, and of course a white guy was like, well, why do you mean, where do you stand on, you know, all them, them, them questions that come out, right, when people are, they, they themselves don't want that shit to be challenged and whatnot, and, well, where is God, you know, and then of course it makes it back in the comments and then people want to call. And then here's the thing. Look, I ain't going to explain a fucking thing straight up. Um, I feel like I have gotten to a place where I am not going to explain myself anymore. If you know me, you know what my stuff is about. Um, I create a large pool of material that you can access for free. This podcast being one of them. Material on my website, material on White Lodge podcast, links, uh, stuff that I've put out, stuff that I've researched. Um, I, you know, I've created a you know the Journal of Hip Hop Studies, which is an online, uh, open access peer reviewed journal. Um, so there's a lot of material out there. So to come with a question of where do you stand with Christ and what is the Christ figure to you? Mine's the big fuck you for that, straight up. You know, um, that's where I stand with Jesus. And if you look at the scripture, if you look at the historical aspect of who Jesus was, Jesus was a pretty much a fuck you type of cat, all right? Like when the Pharisees came up, man, he's a continually calling those niggas out and saying like, what the fuck y'all doing, man? Y'all up in there praying and, and motherfuckers out here dying. Like you go and, and, and y'all going to be up in there trying to act like you, you know, showing everybody who, you know, how you pray, you know, don't do that shit. Go in your closet and pray. Nigga. Shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm telling you y'all, I am, I'm just in a space now where I'm just not going to explain myself. And that means that I don't get invited back. And that's cool. That's cool. I'm fine with that. Whatever. Do your homework, right? Uh, you know, I was speaking at a, a you know my my father-in-law's funeral, and you know, uh, I speak evangelical fluently, so I know the nuances and whatnot. And somebody heard me, and they were like, "Oh my God!" You know, somebody white, and they were like, "Oh, you have to come teach at our school." And I think, you know, we're of kindred spirit, and we're doing all this amazing intercultural stuff. Man, anytime I hear white folks talk like that, I'm just like, "Uh, really, huh? Okay." Okay. Now, hell no. Nah. Y'all don't want me. You want the image of what I am. 
You want the 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 friendly nigga to come and hoop and holler and uh, maybe do a little sweating, bring a towel up there on stage, do a little shit like that, right? Um, that's that image. I've said it on the show before. It's like, you know, there's a lot of, particularly white progressives, they love that spiritual S&M. Boy, they love that shit, boy. You talk about, um, uh, what's that, what's that, <laughs> that movie? Um, oh, shit, it's about the, the sect, the bondage one. I know y'all saying it. It's this movie right here. But anyways, that movie, that movie right there, motherfuckers love that theological version of that. It's like, yes, beat me, whip me, you know, kick me. That's right. Tell me I'm bad. But then... When it comes time for actual fucking justice, there ain't no shit being done, <laughs> right? That's why it's like, man, I have pointed people to Rachel Held Evans and the work that she did. Um, because she had, she went through a time of working through her own whiteness and working through her own evangelicalism and getting to a space where she was able to bring others along on her platform and to give them a space and to be able to sit the fuck down for a little bit. Not that we want to deny your voice, but Jesus Christ, everything is white. We always cater, as people of color, we always cater to whiteness, always, always. Right? It's everything we do. It's like, and those of you people of color who are listening, you already know. It's like you have the conversation. Well, you know, white folks, you got to do this. You got to play that game. You know, uh, in the academy, it's it's called, you know, um, oh, man, man, my my words are, you can tell I'm on vacation. <laughs> um, a code switching, right? It's, it's this code switch that we have to do constantly. We always cater to whiteness, always. Whiteness is always deferred to everywhere we go. And of course, that's always the case with, um, you know, uh, Christian organizations, because that's where the fucking money is tied up at. Oh, y'all, I'm telling you, I am. I, I'm just in a space now where, like I said, I just I, I just don't I give no fucks anymore. And I am also at a space where I'm not going to explain myself either. Now, that doesn't mean I won't have a good and rich conversation. Doesn't mean that I'm, but I'm not gonna answer stupid questions. Like, well, what do you believe is the Christ? Like I said, fucking you, that's that. That's it. And if you can't make sense of that, then you obviously you're not paying attention. And really what you're a asking for is a binary answer. You really don't want the complexity. And that's part of the colonization that, again, a lot of Christianity has given. And not just, and I'm not even just getting, you know, I know I talk a lot about evangelicals. There's a lot of fucking shit to talk about with that. But religion in general, man, placates itself in a, in a, in a nomenclature of, right, we're supposed to be good and, and, and loving. But so much of it is anything but that. Take the law, for example, that was just passed in Alabama on abortion. I mean, really? And in that, in, in almost ironically and sadly, in that same week, an African-American woman is killed who is pregnant by a white fucking cop again. So I don't want to hear no shit about no pro-life and all lives matter and babies that no, uh-uh. Y'all motherfuckers don't be caring about all the kids that are being shot up in schools. Okay, let's just pause there and think about that shit. Think about this has been one of the deadly and every year it gets worse. The deadliest years of school shootings. Almost every other week I'm seeing something pop up in my DMs talking about how there's another school shooter, active school shooter, active school shooter. Right. We talk about national white terrorism, right, of, of white guys that go and shoot, shoot places up. Right. But they're not called that. They're not labeled that. So, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. And, and here's the thing. If we really wanted to talk about, right, like 
you know, pro-life and then control. I mean, really what we want is we want control over women's bodies as men and as society. And I almost thought it was a joke when I saw the tweet from Tommy Lauren. I still kind of think it is, but it was just interesting. But that sums up so much (laughs) of white women, right? It's like, man, they want to fucking just complain and shit on everything. Man, and I don't want to just throw every white woman under the bus, but that's when I talk about, I really want to talk about it in white womanhood in terms of a culture. And, you know, when you think about the amount of white women that voted for Trump, you know, and shit on everything until they realize that they themselves too are marginalized under white patriarchy. And then they want to come back and say, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's, you know, and they realize and then all they are is really fucking baby factories. And again, I'm not trying to say that all white women are that way. I'm married to a white woman. So I get that. I want to say the culture of it. When I say whiteness, I'm talking about the culture, the ideology, the worldview, the perceptions of that. Not necessarily all white people. So get your facts straight, all right? Um, Because I, again, everything defers to whiteness. Um, and again, I've said it on the show before, I'll say it again, you know, you don't have to be white to be white. And that's part of what organizations, uh, you know, like UIWI do. It's, it's, it promotes a white agenda under the veil and cosmetics of people of color doing great things. Just so long as it's within these parameters, right? Don't be gay, right? Don't be anything outside of conservative theological thought and... I'm just, you know, I'm just tired. I'm just ready. And we wonder why people are fucking leaving the church. Y'all, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm hype. I'm hype. I'm hype. Um, simply because this has become such an issue that I have to deal with every day. One of the things I want to do is I want to, I want to create a, both a psychosocial and a psychoanalytical, um, conference where, When people walk in, they're hearing these beautiful announcements of, you know, welcome to conference 2019. White people are the best. Black people are the worst. Please make your way to the stadium. Right. And so like you saying these beautiful things and I want people to notice it. Like, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe because here's the thing. That's part of what it feels like of being an ethnic minority every day. You're reminded every day that this is this is greatness. You look at science. This is greatness right here. This whiteness is greatness. They know the material. They've built the rockets. They're the ones who figured out the math, you know, and it takes a damn movie (laughs) to let you know that. Oh, wait, black women. They they're smart. They. Oh, wow. Mm, I didn't know that. Okay, All right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And. It, 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 we're, our history's not taught. And I'm not just talking about white folks. I'm not, none of Latinx history isn't taught. I just saw an article pop up the other day on the lost uh, history of, you know, the Chinese in building the railroad system here. We don't know about that shit. Yo, I, I'm telling you, man, we, we're we in we're an interesting time, especially when we start talking about the loss of history and the loss of, of indigenous voices in this country. Um, and we haven't even begun to talk about the mess uh, that is with uh, Native Americans and indigenous folks that were on this continent long uh, before white colonizers, you know, showed up. Um, so we got a lot, which brings me to my guest today, Kate Sanchez. She is an atheist. She's no, uh, uh, um, she, uh, she, she is, man, I am lost. <laughs> what am I looking for? Um, 
she uh, she's no stranger to profane faith. That's what I'm looking for. Basic stuff, man. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, she's no stranger to profane faith. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, she's been on a lot. So I'm gonna put the the links in the show notes uh, to her previous episodes. Uh, her and I uh, and uh, uh, Jr. Forsteros, who's also no stranger as well. Uh, we all have another podcast called Oh My Wednesday. Uh, that's also on iTunes and on Spotify. Oh, I don't think it's on Spotify, but it's on Stitcher and Google and and and, and whatnot. And so it's basically on the uh, it, well, it's on the the television show American Gods, which just ended season two. So go, you should go check it out. Some really deep conversations um, in regards to religion and what it looks like. I personally. Uh, I'm a fan of the show, although this year was interesting with writing and anything. But anyways, go check that out, and we'll you can have those conversations there. But Kate uh, had tweeted out um, a while back, uh, you know, in regards to being an atheist, being a woman, being a woman of color. Uh, I'm not going to give away everything because I'll get into that tweet and just uh, what that what that meant, and particularly being living in Texas, living in the South, and just the the dire complexity that comes with that I believe that we all can coexist um, atheists, people of faith um, people who may believe in something, I mean I believe that we can coexist I, I I really do believe that and I know that may sound you know idealistic, I may that may sound like a bumper sticker, right, coexist all the religions, I believe we can but there's something inherent about religion um and the and and the identification process that goes on that creates violence right if you don't believe in my god the way i want it to be and the way i have set it up to be then i'm going to kill you that i don't believe is god at the same time there are ongoing discussions been going discussions about a god of the old testament and a god of the new testament how do you reconcile the God of the Old Testament uh, that is, you know, killing motherfuckers left and right and not even, not even like nice about it, right? It's like, you know, dying horrible deaths by fire and brimstone and, you know, getting sucked up in the sea. And I mean, just it's crazy shit, right? And then you got Jesus saying, love everybody. Just love everybody. And, you know, probably shouldn't kill them. And yeah, I'll bring a new covenant. Um... <laughs> It's like, man, there's so much complexity to that. And so Kate's path is a great path. I adore Kate. She is an, she's brilliant. She's amazing. Um, and you're going to see in this conversation. I mean, we just we go in and we cover some territory uh, in regards to just the intersections uh, of what it means to be a Latinx woman uh, living in the South, being an atheist and in this era that we're living in, because it seems like every day we're making even larger strides towards ever since that Mueller report came out. It's like Trump's unhinged. I mean, you know, some days it's got me believing, man, maybe he is God's man. Shit. <laughs> I mean, I think about that sometimes like, man, what do we get to heaven? And God and Ronald Reagan are just chilling up there being, you know, or what if I'm, you know, on the outside of that? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes, yo, sometimes. I remember uh, the rapper Pastor Troy uh, talked a lot about, you know, the difference. Well, not the difference, but, you know, what What if what we had was wrong? What if what we call light is actually darkness and darkness is actually light? Uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting song that he puts together, you know, in, in regards to uh, God, the devil, um, and like, what if 
you know, in a parallel universe, which is interesting if you follow the old television series Sliders, which I think the first three seasons were actually pretty good. Once it got into season four and five, it just started getting as crazy. But the first three seasons, really the first two seasons were really good, really dealt with some some interesting things. So the premise of the show was essentially um, interdimensional travel, string theory, uh, same same time. Uh, same planet but different dimensions different era or different uh, spaces of what you know what could happen so multiple basically the multiverse uh, theory put into action on um, on television and one of the one of the uh, the worlds they slid into uh, hence the name sliders was uh, a world where uh, Satan was considered very much the way Christianity is considered now. So, and Christians were looked at as demonic and, and, you know, basically the occult and the occult was looked at as, as, you know, the true God, like and all the, all the politicians were, you know, like just the way our politicians talk about Jesus now and God, this and God, they were talking about Satan. It was a trip. Y'all, it was a trip. And again, I know my audience here is complex enough to hold these these conversations uh because well here's the thing i'll be honest i mean you know i check google analytics i mean i'm reaching between 1800 and 2200 people a week um and most of those folks um are you know between ages 24 and about 42 um that's kind of the bulk there's more obviously you know the bulk comes from uh east and west coast some here a lot of of course a lot here in chicago and um, I'm still trying to figure out education wise, but just from my feed burner stats, you know, 1800, I mean, I think about that. I'm like, man, that's a plenary a week about just about, right. If you think about places like, you know, UIWR, CCDA, um, you know, on a good day, they're happy to get 1800, 2000 people. So it's like, man, to, to have that, that audience. But I know my, a lot of, a lot of the audience members are complex enough to want to have this because here's the thing, churches in this day and age, most of them are not having these complex discussions. They're just not. Um, and I know for myself, um, I want bigger and deeper conversations around God and the complexity of religion because it's too it's too simplistic to just right away, um, you know, the stuff that we just don't know, right? That we just don't understand, but we want to have answers for it. And that's really my problem with a large swatch of Christianity. I love my faith. I take a lot of pride in it. I take a lot of time to process and think through that. What my spirituality looks like in real time beyond colonization, which is why I brought up, you know, working out in the yard uh, at the beginning, because that for me is a spiritual exercise. You know, what are your spiritual exercises? You know, hit me back with some of those, because I'd be curious for those of you working through decolonization and just really trying to, you know, declutter the mind of these social constructs that we've all grown up on. What are some of the things that y'all are doing um, that that makes sense? I'd be very interested to hear about that. We need to do a show on that. So <laughs> the season three just continues to, to move on. So this week, um, Kate Sanchez and I, Kate takes us to church. Let's just put it that way. Uh, an atheist taking people to church. You gotta love that, man. <laughs> You just got to love that. Um, so I could keep going, but I will pause and stop right here because I know, you know, it's in part of it. Like I said, it's the summer and, uh, you know, I, it's just like, man, this is great. I just have free time to, to do things and to write and to do music and everything. So, you know, 
That, it, it, I, like I said, I can keep going. So, without any further ado, here's Kate and I talking um, about just all of these interesting things and just the crap that's going on right now, particularly in, re- in regards to women's body um, and sex. So, check it out. Kate, thanks so much for coming back on Profane Faith. You're you're a regular now. I should put you on salary. <laughs> <laughs> I am, am very happy to be here. This is great. Well, and for listeners, if you're listening, and this is the first time I will post links to previous episodes of Kate, where she breaks just a lot of great stuff down, because I want to hop right into this. This is a whole episode on persons of color, atheists. This is something that I've been very intrigued in. And then you mentioned it on Twitter and I was like, oh, let's get this thing going. <laughs> Um, well, break it down. I mean, what's what? I mean, I, I, I'd be curious just in particularly for the listeners, like, how did you do? How did you arrive? I mean, I, what what <laughs> brought you to a space where you were like, no, nah, I am atheist. I can identify as this. I mean, I know you've talked a little bit about that before, but I'd love for you just to, uh, to talk a little bit about that. And then just we can get into some of the other stuff with like abortion and bills and, and Trumpism and all that crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. So um, might come in the atheist moment was uh, honestly really hard. I, I feel like I've been hmm. an atheist for a long time. Like, okay. and I, I mean, longer than when I've been before I've identified as it. Um, but coming from a Mexican Catholic family, it's one of those things where your culture is so tied into your religious identity that it was one of those things where becoming an atheist meant like, oh, in my family's eyes, I am turning my back on them. Like it was a very personal thing to them. Like it was, it it was giving up a part of myself in a way that I don't think a lot of um, like, uh, you know, white atheists may feel right. Um, Because growing up, it was kind of, I'm trying to, I've never actually thought about this or talked about this really. All right. I mean, I know I've talked about Day of the Dead before on here um, on, one of, on one of the last episodes, and it, that's one of my favorite holidays. I use it for personal grieving. Mm. Um, I use it for therapeutic means. I don't believe my my well is actually coming to eat the malas with me, um, <laughs> but it is a time where I allow myself to be sad. I allow mm. myself to think about him and, and remember him and do things to memorialize, you know, the man who, who was. Um, but it's also one of those things that when I stopped back, when I stopped and I thought about it, um, and, and this is kind of a, a microcosm for, for a larger piece of, of how religion is seen a lot for people of color, not just specifically um, Latinx or Mexican, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people of color have, the, have these types of things is Catholics colonized us. You know, they, they, they raped, murdered, and force, forcefully converted a lot, you know, a lot, if not all of the indigenous population, um, which I know I have, I have some background with, um, I'm a mestiza, but, and when I think about it, our culture has tried so hard to survive by holding on to these pieces of who we were before the Mm. conquistadors, right? Mm. Like day, the dead was, was celebrated by indigenous by indigenous peoples long before we used, you know, the Virgen de Guadalupe or anything like that on our altars. 
Um, and so it's like this, it's this nugget of who we used to be, but has been transformed into like almost a purely Catholic celebration. Um, and as I started to unpack that and as I started, um, you know, as I, I entered into religious studies as an undergrad and in, in grad school, I began to understand that like, I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't differentiate the colonization and the power, the power mechanisms that keep people of color disenfranchised through religion mm. and the, and the way people use it to liberate themselves. Cause that's a very real thing. And I yes. don't want to play that down. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. so many social movements have been formed around religion. And while that's great, I, I got to the point where I couldn't turn a blind eye to the fact it's like, yeah, we've used the church. We've used congregations to liberate ourselves, but what was that oppressive factor? What like that, that same religion was also used to torment us, to keep us down, to, to dehumanize us. And Mm. for me, and I know there's a large movement in decolonizing faith for a lot of people is, and for me, decolonizing faith was just getting rid of it. And, and living, living my truth and my, myself. And, and it's been a long road to be like, well, I can be Mexican and not have any, any faith. I can be who I am and not subscribe to what my family subscribes to. And I've lost family because of it. Wow. Um, I, I would say I've been atheist probably. My grandma passed away when I was... Gosh, I think it was 14 and I was, I was questioning then. Um, and I guess I kind of went into more agnosticism, but you know, I kept, kept doing the motion motions. And then I'd probably say my sophomore year of undergrad was when I was like, yeah, I really don't believe in anything. And I just, I, I, I do want to say I'm not an atheist that is like, I, I think religion gets used for bad and good, but I think ultimately religion serves a purpose and a function within people's lives we've always told stories we've always told myths we've always we've always done this and i think that religion fills that for people mm-hmm. so i would never you know disres- disrespect somebody for their religion unless they're actively using it to harm people mm. um but at the end of the day like when i came to it i was just like this isn't like i i can't see was it like the the sight between the trees was that there was nothing essentially is what, what I arrived at. Um, and it's funny because I, I didn't really tell my family cause it was like, Oh, well, I don't, what are they going to say? What's my mom going to say? My mom, the first time I told my mom, my mom said, you're not going to be with in heaven with me. And I can't, I can't allow that. Interesting. And like, well, but if I was pretending, I still wasn't going to be in heaven with you. Did you read the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and she didn't really respect it. Like she was consistently, she, she was consistently pushing me to go to mass, go to midnight mass, go to, you know, perform Catholic things, pray like candles and, and all of these things. And then it actually wasn't until I met Matt who, I mean, we're, we're I, it's always weird when I explain it cause we're not legally married, but we're ca- common law married. So mm-hmm. I just call my husband, he calls me his wife 
for husband and wife. Yeah. But when I met him and when we first started dating, my mom realized um, that he he was an atheist. And he's, you know, he's a guy from West Texas who has been through a lot. Like Christianity in West Texas actually stopped him from achieving a lot of things because he was an atheist and he has been since high school. Um, he was a star player on the football team. He actually played with, uh, played against uh, Colt McCoy, <laughs> like some, like he could uh, have been a lot damn. in the sports area, but he didn't want to say the prayer and uh, they benched him. And no matter out. how good he was, he couldn't play. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that, and that's his experience to tell, but it just, it's just, it, it's an experience that a lot of people see. And so he has, it makes him uncomfortable to a completely different level than, than, you know, I I've been in him all my life and I have seen some positivity. So I'm not, I'm not deeply uncomfortable when I see people doing religious things, even if it's my family, but for somebody who has actively been harmed by that, he is uncomfortable. And I explained that to my mom and my mom was like, Oh, well then we won't have, we won't do anything religious so that you guys can come. And I'm like, okay, I'm happy you, you took this step but I'm mad that it took a man coming in my life for you to take this step. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I am now. And my mom, my mom's chilled out a lot. Um, mainly because she's, she felt like she was losing a piece of me or something. Like she felt that she had failed as a parent because I didn't believe in God anymore. Um, which I don't know the thought process to that, but I'm also not a parent and I'm not, you know, um, and, and so she kind of had to reconcile with herself that you can be good without God, um, which I think a lot of people don't don't see or understand. Um, I mean, there there's an entire um, I think it was a Gloria Anzaldúa, I think um, um, it may not be her, but there there's a Mexican scholar who talks about dead, uh, dead Catholics. Mm. So Catholics who just go through the motions because it's what their family does Whoa. and it's what their, and it's, it's, it's what their culture is, but they dead don't believe Catholic. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. It, so there is an actual term for that. And I took it a step further and I'm an atheist, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, further. I mean, it's, and I think it's something that's happening a lot and a lot more with my generation and, and that being said, and there there are more people pushing towards faith with my generation too. So I don't want to paint a broad brush, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess to lead into the larger conversation here, Dan, I, I kind of want to bring up like the first time I started thinking about how it was different to be a person of color yeah. and an atheist. And yes. that was uh, in my in my grad department. There was a guy who his entire focus of his dissertation was on skeptics and secularism. And he dealt a lot with kind of looking at the origins of like uh, different atheist movements and new atheist, which I don't condone the new atheists at all. They're dicks. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, real briefly, how, how, how come? Break, break that down. It's for somebody yeah. who's unknowledgeable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the new atheist movement are people like um, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris. Ah, okay. Um, those guys. Okay, um, okay. While I agree with the kernel of what they say, they've essentially, um, they've taken the evangelizing methods of evangelicals mm -hmm. and put it into atheism to where it is very much in your face, uh -huh. your terror. It, it's, it's essentially flipped, right? So, yeah. and, and so I don't agree with that type. Um, I understand. So it's, it's weird. I have this weird relationship with it where I understand the place for it as in like, we keep being silenced because people don't think we exist. And then, 
it goes further to say, yeah, but you can't discriminate against people just because they have a religion. So it's this, it's this weird thing morally and it's a weird place to find yourself in. Um, and, and largely the new atheist movement privileges, you know, white male voices over anything else. Um, and a lot of that is because they see any sort of cultural identity that may have at one point been in a religion as still being religious. And so they won't consider you an atheist. Um, which I mean, from my perspective, like I'm not, I'm not going to stop celebrating day of the dead. That, that is a part of my culture. That is a part of who I am. Um, and some people struggle to understand how you can do that detached from religious ritual. Um, yeah. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? No, that makes, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think, so I've had, uh, the great mind of Dr. Anthony Penn on, on the show and, you know, he's talked a lot about just in, you know, coming in and around that, right. It's like that the idea and notion that to be good, to be pure, to be moral, you have to be connected to and tied to, you know, some sort of religious experience and whatnot. And, um, you know, and I've and I've definitely come to to believe that no, no, you don't have to be tied to some religious experience. I was brought up that way, as particularly being black and Mexican. My, well, and my my grandmother, for example, she she was she was raised Catholic, um, mm-hmm. non-stereotypically as a Mexican American growing up in, in the <laughs> South. But then she converted to Seventh Day Adventism, which added a whole nother layer of interesting craziness to our <laughs> religious uh, diatribe. And I've read several articles in New York Times from people of color who've said, you know, coming out as an atheist to my family really wasn't an idea until my grandmother or gra- until my parents passed away. Oh, and then yeah. I was able to, to you know, really break that down. Now, I mean, I'd be curious just to kind of have you have your perspective on two of those, right? So it's like on one end, what has been your engagement with people who say, you know, oh, you know, social movements, these are of God. And like, you know, because I'm, I'm in around those circles, like this is God's movement to, you know, for Black Lives Matter. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other side of it is, you know, just uh, just ongoing conversation with just being, like I said, being a woman of color. Right? You've got the, the almost a double whammy, the woman, yeah. <laughs> woman of color, a atheist. Um, and you speak your mind. You don't just sit back and. So all that, I don't know. Does that, that even yeah, question no, make sense? I mean, sense? I actually think that that is a perfect, like, so the rest of that story, actually, it directly involves with me sharing. I shared, um, it was a link to, because Atheist Coming Out Day is actually a day that, like, people use to, I mean, it, it, it it's it's badly worded, but, like, essentially, it, it is an actual day that a lot of secular humanists, humanists and atheists use to kind of be support lines for people who are, coming, not necessarily coming to terms, but, you know, becoming okay in their identity. And I sent that to that guy who studied secularism and he said, this is crazy. What do they have to be afraid of? And I was like, losing our entire families? That? <laughs> right. That's kind of big. Right. Um, and, you know, and then this, I mean, and, and it doesn't only happen with people of color, right? Right. Like my, my, my husband's experience kind of shows that he lost opportunities. And I think in this country, like, it, it is doubly so for people of color because like essentially I'm losing opportunities in one space, right? The In, in this public space that puts um, so much value on religion, but then I'm also losing my, my, my community. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we're like, I, I think all atheists kind of have 
have it pretty rough. I mean, I, I've driven through Texas and there are signs saying to kill atheists. So like it, it yes. exists. <laughs> yes, that 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 picture you sent. Anyway, I didn't mean to right. cut you off, but that was some some, yes. some crazy right? shit. Right? Like it, it, the it, it's it, it's this weird twisted idea, and, and nobody sees it because for so long people have just looked at atheism as like these like these these old white dudes who are rich and have positions in universities. Like that's all they've seen. But I'm like, no. Like when I drive when we drive through East or West Texas, I'm worried because I'm brown. I'm worried because I'm a woman, and I'm worried because I'm an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> See, throw progressive policy in there and it's like hey, nobody wants me <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean just i get to so to circle back like it that was the first time where i kind of like started like looking at my identity as it, it, it really looking at my identity through an intersectional lens right mm. and and seeing the fault in his assumptions that oh well atheists are just like atheists are just dicks so they don't they don't why do you need a coming out day it's like well actually you're removing the importance that religious that religion plays in a lot of communities of color mm. Mm. um and i think back to like when my when my grandpa uh, my grandpa was a freemason um, and for him, he, he didn't get an education. He got his GED when he was in his fifties, mm. um, because he was a migrant farm worker and he picked cucumbers starting when he was in first grade. Um, and wow. he didn't have any way to advance until he found the Freemasons and when he joined his lodge, it was a way for him to connect to other people. And Freemasons, uh, Freemasonry and the Eastern Stars, which is their female chapter, um, the only thing that is a prerequisite is you have to believe in a God. Okay. Um, a God. Doesn't have to be the Christian God. Doesn't have to be it, just a God. Um in, in in San Antonio, where I'm from, of course, it was they were all Catholics and the majority of them were Mexican. Um, and so for my grandpa, that was an organizing factor in his life where he was able to achieve things. He was a 32nd degree Mason. Like he led his lodge. Damn. He had advancement that he would not have had had he not had religion. So it, it's important to recognize how these things bind us and uplift us. But at the end of the day, you also have to look at the like, yes, we can say that these social movements are grounded in religion, but if they're grounded in religion, that makes them automatically exclusionary. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you're fighting uh, to take Black Lives Matter as an example, when you're fighting for black lives, are you only fighting for black Christian lives? Oh, <laughs> like that's when you ground something in a religion, it automatically becomes exclusionary. And I know that a lot of people don't like to think about that, but it it is something that happens. Man, you know? that's deep. Um, and it frustrates me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot. Um, because I want to do community work, but a lot of the organizations that do community work are majority religious in some way which is great but then you don't i mean take the salvation army for example you have to learn the bible before they'll give you things like you have to go to bible study classes before you can go to rehab you like there are these these mm -hmm. almost forced conversion tools built into a lot of the good that gets done yes. and at the end 
was like, is that really good? Or is it coercion? Man, that, well, I mean, so this, so that brings it up, right? I mean, so that was, I remember when I was, I mean, I was still young in my, in my, my ministry career. And I remember thinking then, even then I was thinking, because, you know, we used to do this whole thing, you know, serving the homeless and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I remember the the pastor, the senior pastor at the, at the church I was at wanted to, you know, we got to give him a message first. We got to, you know, we got to, we got to give him the, we got to give him the gospel first. And, and <laughs> the problem there is one, assuming that everyone in the room doesn't know God. First of all, that's problematic. Yeah. Second of all, it goes back to what you were just saying. It, this is, it's like, you really got to do that to, to, to get somebody. So somebody who wants food, you're going to bring them in and then give them this, this message. I'm like, uh, I don't know. And that goes back to what you were saying, right? It's like, and that just got me even then. I didn't know what to do with it then, but now I'm just like, wow, man, just how manipulative. We'll give yeah. you food, but on behalf, you know, we're going to, well, but, you know, if you want food, you got to come in here and, and hear about Jesus. I mean, and, who, and of course, who isn't going to be like, well, I mean, sure, there's some people that be like, ah, forget you. But, you know, if you're hungry, I say yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's. I guess for me, I'm kind of like if the good that you're doing is generated from forcing somebody else to think the way you do, I don't think you're really doing good. Like, I'm still happy that people are feeding people, but like you, you should be willing to feed that person, whether they are like you or they aren't. Yeah. Um, If you really want to go by what Jesus says, Um, (laughs) which always bugged me i mean it it happened when like my my church that i was in um in san antonio when i was younger like they would hold events and everything but there was always the bar of like well you got to sit through mass first and yeah just like that's it's not fair and and it privileges one identity over another um which to me automatically enforces this an oppressive system whether it's an oppressive system that works by you know people claiming supremacy over another in a racial sense or a religious sense both of those systems are harmful um and religion has been used for both of them hmm what <laughs> so oh, i feel yeah. i feel like i'm gonna make people mad saying this and and, and, and i'm always worried right because like i don't i I feel as a Mexican American who doesn't speak Spanish, like I already feel detached from my community. Come on. And I feel like when I say stuff like this, I feel like I'm detaching myself further. Like I actually had somebody tell me on Twitter one time that um, I, I should just pretend that I'm Catholic so that I'm not turning my back on my culture. And I'm oh, like, what? No, they didn't. No, they yeah. didn't. On Twitter, they tell you, oh gosh. Yeah, and she was actually following me because of how much I speak on Latinx representation and our issues. And then she had the nerve to say that. Erin, she was like, well, maybe your family reacts to you this way. Cause it was on a tweet talking about how I, I feel uncomfortable going to like wide family gatherings. Like my mom and my dad and my brother is fine. But like, whenever we go to like all 72 of us in one time, like I get people say they're going to pray for me or they do the sign of cross before. I'm just, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in that. In, in, I don't, that that takes a lot of mental energy to be there. Yes. Um, yes. And she just like commented like, well, maybe it's because you're you're demeaning who they are. I was like, no, I'm really just existing as somebody who doesn't believe in God. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all I'm doing. Right. 
Oh. Um, I have had people say that I can't like the movie Coco because I am not Catholic. And I'm just kind of like, what? Like, you know, that wasn't a indigenous tradition, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, it's weird. And and, and it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to think about sometimes. And yet I could easily just say, you know, well, then I won't do any of my cultural stuff. I, you know, I won't celebrate Day of the Dead. I, I won't look to still find bonds in my community. Like I could just do that and try to just assimilate into this, you know, the larger homogenous atheist community. But I'm like, but that's not that's not who I am. And that, that's this assimilating away pieces of myself, giving away pieces of myself. Um, in the same way that like my mom gave away a piece of, you know, ourselves when she chose not to teach me Spanish and and how I kind of give that away when I choose not to learn, right? Like there are choices to be made and and I've I've chosen to exist in this liminal space and and kind of fight through it. Wow. I'm trying to take a lot in. I mean, this is this is this is a really <laughs> rich conversation. And I and I and here's the thing, Kate. I mean, I will say now that I've had this podcast on now almost three years in, you know, studying, you know, the the, the evil Google statistics, right, <laughs> from, the, from yeah. the, all the information they take from us and stuff, um, that I think most of my listeners will sit here and be like, wow, this is a great conversation. But I also want to come back to the fact that, you know, that there is that tension that you have. And even as somebody who I would claim have some theological faith or whatever and whatever I still get, even when I say certain things like to really stand in my own theology sometimes is really like it's unnerving because it's been such an ingrained thing as a person of color that religion, because sometimes it feels like religion is kind of the last thing that we really own as people of, of color. Um, because I feel like white folks have been able to just disidentify with religion. And so for them, because they've got other yeah. things they can identify with money, power, legacy, wealth, whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just like, well, we don't. I have family members that came over here, you know, in the Bracero program. And so yeah. I, I and Lord knows what what's on my dad's side. But. I, there, there's not much, right? So yeah. it's like you, then you go to critique religion. It's almost like, wait a minute, hold up. Don't, can't we just have God? So I don't know. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> yeah, felt that no, way. You're, you're completely right. <laughs> oh man. I think I want to go back to that sign that you were in. And again, for the people who are, are listening, I'll post this, but it's like, I'm reading off the, the signs now. And I, I just, I have to, because I just think this is where we're at in society. I don't think enough of this stuff gets put out there for people to really see the visceral hate, like <laughs> the the walking dead. We, we the, the earth collapsed. We're going to see people just getting, you know, you can see heads on poles, that, that mm-hmm. type of hate. Oh yeah. It was terrifying. Mind you, we got lost driving to college station when we saw those signs. Lord have mercy. We're just like, Oh no. See? Oh no. <laughs> So it says one of the signs says atheist, abortionist, homosexuals and other perverts will love your Democratic vote. I mean, just like what? Uh, And then there's there's the par three pitch and putt, the golf driving range. You know, so there's capitalism right there in the middle of that. And then uh, this is what happens in the 
cultural, political ineptocracy, a system of government where the least capable, something's, I can't even read that. But then the last one is abortion is a murderous choice. Vote Republican. Oh, Lord. Yep. And sadly, those aren't the worst <laughs> that I've seen. <laughs> um, oh. It's a lot. And it's a lot. And I think, and, and truthfully, I didn't even start kind of, I always kind of positioned myself in seeing like the type of marginalization that I existed in from like a female and, uh, you know, Latina lens. Um, and then like, I kind of like, I got to hear stories from my husband and I got to see, you know, small town Texas, which I hadn't really seen before because he's from small town Texas. And I started to, mm. started to kind of realize that like, holy shit, like, like racism is real. And so are people who hate atheists. And the problem with being an atheist is everybody hates you. <laughs> yeah, man, that is real. That is real. I mean, and so I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, how do you how do you survive right now? What are some things? I mean, what do you what what are you doing, Tate? What, how do you survive? <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, it's hard, right? Like we just had all of these bills passed to tell me I don't have a right to my oh. own oh. my own health care. Uh, which right. is great. Like the Georgia one is terrifying because most women don't know that they are pregnant until after six weeks. And especially for right. women that have irregular periods, because um, menstruation and women's bodies are not, they're not things that always work on a clock, right? Like I have irregular, you know, menstruation cycles and, and it's like that, that effectively bans abortion. Mm. It, it's not, ban but it is a ban because most women will won't know that they're pregnant at least until the end of their first trimester um and in texas they actually removed the provisions in the the 20-week abortion ban which um so in texas they passed a ban on abortions after 20 weeks with the exception of um medical um, so needed abortions. Okay. Um, or, uh, and, and then like incest and rape. Um, yeah, those got overturned. So no matter what happens, you will have to carry that child to term. Um, <sighs> and it's all based on religion. Like, and, it, and, if, and it, it's crazy too, because when you read, if you actually read the law, that just got passed in Georgia. Mind you, if you're listening to this and you need care, like it does not go into into effect until 2020. You can still get an abortion until 2020. That's Please go to know. your appointments if you have them scheduled. That's good to know. The headlines are misleading. So I will use this time to say, go to your appointments if you have them. Um, but like the language in there, they actually compare abortion to the Holocaust. Yeah. In the uh, yep. first section of it, yeah. they list out the number of people killed by the Holocaust, the number of people killed by Stalin's, um, by Stalin, the number of people killed in China, the number of people killed by the Khmer Rouge. And then they say, but abortions have, have, have cost 50 million lives since Roe v. Raid. And I'm like, that is not the same thing at all. Right. Right. Um, and it's terrifying because you essentially have like the men who voted on it. They are all old. Yeah. Right. Right. Christian men. And 
it's being signed it was signed into law by a, a old white woman and it was penned by a white woman and they're they're like this is going to disproportionately affect women of color poor women regardless of race because ultimately when it comes down to it and then there's a saying in spanish because a lot of latin america countries countries uh have abortion banned um because of religion um (laughs) it's in spanish i don't remember the exact spanish translation but essentially it means uh the poor women the the poor will get a uh, the the rich will get abortions and the poor will die um Mm. and we have that status we, we know those statistics from our own history rich women will still find ways to have safe abortions. Poor women are going to be dying. Brazil has outlawed abortion for years, extremely high maternal mortality rate, extremely high um, death from miscarriages, extremely high death from uh, botched abortions, like banning, banning something because you believe your God says that it's not okay does not save lives it, it it ends up with more it ends up with actual people who are not zygotes dead um and, and it it is going to affect you know like i said women of color and actually specifically like poor women um like in texas we only have the only abortion clinics we have in 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 in, in texas and actually specifically i shouldn't even call them that Women's health care centers, the only women's health care centers that offer abortion services only exist in the I-35 corridor. That means that if you are not in a major city in Texas, you cannot realistically get to a place that will perform an abortion safely. Wow. Um, there is one women's health care center that provides abortions in Mississippi. They're like, it is terrifying the U.S. as it stands has an extremely high maternal mortality rate for our status in the world. And yeah, it's scary. Like I I don't want children. I don't want to raise children. I don't want that in my life. And I should be able to have that choice. And then then you always have people say, well, abstain from sex. It's like, no, I'm not going to abstain from sex in my extremely healthy long-term marriage. Right. Are you stupid? <laughs> right. No. Exactly. Abstain from ma- Oh, those simplistic fucking answers. I'm sorry, but that shit just pisses right? me the hell off. And, and, it, and it makes me even worse because then people use religion to justify not teaching comprehensive sex ed. Oh. Like, well, if you don't want abortion, teach sex ed. Like, offer up condoms Damn. in the health offices of high schools. Like, Abstinence hasn't has been working, y'all. It didn't even work for Mary. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it, be real. And, and I know that there are some progressives who are against abortion, but as well, because I mean, for them, they see it as like no, no, no death penalty, no abortion, no those things. But at least, at least the progressives are saying, "Well, give everybody condoms and teach everybody how to use condoms," and in like that. And it, it's still stupid. Pro, like pro choice is like in my, it is the only moral thing I see. But um, it, yeah, I, this repressive attitudes towards sex in religion always always comes at the cost of women's lives yes yeah so okay man you oh my gosh so this is i mean you said just this is a mouthful this is like a dissertation right here so 
This, so my wife, Emily, she she works, she just started working for an organization called the National Network for Abortion Funds. And so she she does uh, HR and that's kind of her stick. But this organization um, exists because of everything you just named right there. Women of color, in particular, women who are poor, who can't afford to actually get the health care they need. And it's amazing to me just the backwards ass thinking around sexuality. And it's just like it it all falls back on the shoulders of women. And I say this as a man, as a cis male, as a hetero man, man who I, 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 yeah, I'll admit I love looking at women. I'm married to a woman. So, yes, I, I all of those things. But it's like I'm OK. I'm OK to say that. And again, as a man. I mean, this happened when when uh, Emily and I first got married uh, and it was like the only conversation that we had about, you know, sexual protection was like, yeah, condom, but you're going to be married. So yeah, you don't have to really <laughs> worry about it, dude, you know, just whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I don't have to worry about putting hormones in my body. I don't have to worry about no shots, no pills, no nothing, just a eh, condom. Put it on a little wrong at first and take it off, put it on right the right, right way. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a minute. And it wasn't until my wife approached me about natural family planning, which is what we still use to this day. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, you know, telling my mentor at the time that and he was like, oh, don't do that because that's the rhythm method. And I was like, no, actually, it's not. Oh, no, no. You, but you're a man. Whenever you want sex, you need to be able to get it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, No, I was like, it's also terrifying when you think the way like sex is taught, right? Like I was completely pure. I am damaged if I am not out of it. My mom actually cried when I started living with Matt because she was like, oh, no, this is the worst thing in the world. She's gotten over it now. But like (laughs) we carry like we carry piety. We carry we carry all the positives and we also carry all the negatives as women and we're not allowed to exist with wants in between there, um, especially in religion. I mean, and I think it's also one of those different things like is, um, I, and this doesn't mean that that white folks don't have these issues too. Like they're just like, they are also misogynistic, but I do think that in a lot of um, speaking from Latino cultures and specifically Mexican and Mexican Americans, a lot of our like deep rooted misogyny that happens in our community is reinforced by these ideas that are put through religion. It's the reason why fathers won't let their daughters go out at night, but their sons can do whatever the hell they want. Yes. It's, uh, yes, uh, I can't. It's so much to think about and it, 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 and it, it also defines the type of feminism that our different generations have like kind of lived mm-hmm. in too. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma, mm-hmm. my grandma wasn't a feminist by today's standards because she was quiet. She was quiet and she didn't work and she had a kindergarten education. She was also a farm worker. Um, and she popped out eight, uh, seven kids, uh, technically 11, but she had, she had stillborns, but she, my, my grandma ultimately was pregnant 11 times <laughs> and she wasn't allowed to work, but she fought for her kids and she, was in control of that household. My grandpa was a good man, but my grandma was in control of the purse string. She was in control of the household. And that was her way of taking power in a system that kind of denied it to her. Um, and when it came to her daughters, 
she taught them that type of of of, of quiet strength. Um, and then my mom was like, nah, fuck that. All this is messed up. <laughs> and started being a little bit more rebellious. I went to college and was, you know, really open and 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 you know, Gloria Gloria Steinem feminism and everything. And then <laughs> and she had me, and she was confronted with more issues because now she was a mother, and now I carried the honor of my family in my womb. Um, oh wow! Uh, she still struggles with the fact that I don't want kids, but but through it all, it's it's been this progression when you look at the trends feminism has had. And sadly, I think a lot of it being or being a womanist, but putting women at the center of what we do and privileging us a lot of the times directly conflicts with what religious communities do and Mm -hmm. enact and what they want to see. And it's difficult. It, and and I feel for you know women women of color who who are religious trying to navigate this space because it is hard. It's yeah. hard for me as an atheist, but at the end of the day, I don't believe in the doctrines that say I'm going to hell for having sex. Right? Like right. it's a little bit easier for me. What happens when you're a woman who does believe that? Like there are so yeah. many things that open up around that, and it's just it's. And now we have laws telling us that we're bad for it right like <laughs> man well i mean i think you know just going back to that i mean i think you know and not even just abortion in general but you know what about divorce i mean i remember yeah. back in the day i had a friend of mine who you know we we, we we all graduated at the same time she married a good friend of mine but you know it was one of them high school romances and it was cool to take prom pictures at but then real life kicks in and you got to get a job and then four kids pop out and i remember thinking this isn't going to end well but on one end she ended up getting like all this religious stuff and you know of course the folks in the religious folks were you know were like no you can't get her because she was already starting to go bad and 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 it was, you know, started to get abusive. And I was just like, you know, I think you should just go. All right. But, yeah. you know, but the pastor says, I got to work it out. And that divorce is a sin. Mm. And now, you know, then, then it's all this extra added shit mm-hmm. that comes on. And they eventually ended up getting a divorce. Um, but it wasn't until a lot of like just pain and damn near yeah. suicidal ideation. I mean, thinking like, oh, I'm this bad person. That for me is just it's it's like what Charles Kimball writes about, you know, uh, when religion becomes evil and it, and it, and, yeah. it, and it becomes toxic to the point that people, um, you know, want to kill themselves uh, yeah. and do. I mean, that's 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 the other side of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's something that like there I mean, and I can't speak to this because I am not um, I, I, I'm heterosexual. But at at the end of the day, too, like this is something that's really, really pertinent and important in the LGBT community, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or LGBTQIA. Um, this is something like that. That's the other, the other access to this, right? Like there's so many axes to this where exactly what you're saying happens. It's like you get pushed so much. And, and instead of, and instead of either pushing your faith back or leaving your faith, you only see one way out. Um, and it's tragic and it's terrifying. And I mean, I've, I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also turns into some of those things, like some of the unhealthy things that I even thought of is just like, well, 
God punish it or God, you know, rewards the good. Why, what did I do that was so wrong that my life is, you know, this way? Or, mm. you know, I, I've known women who have been abused, who have faced serious trauma. And instead of putting the blame on their, and their abusers, they carry it in themselves. Yes. Yes. Like they've done something to deserve this. And this is also one of the reasons why women stay in abusive relationships. And it, and it also happens just like you said, like sometimes family and and, and uh, congregation push you to stay there. Right. And it, I mean, like, and I have a friend who's an extreme, she's in an extremely healthy relationship, but it, it, it bothered me when she said, oh, I would never get a divorce. I would just deal with it. And I'm just kind of like, I mean, like, again, she's in a healthy situation. Her husband is amazing. He's an amazing man. But it's also just like, that shouldn't be what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked her, I was like, so even if he cheats, she's like, yeah, even if he ever cheated, I would never get a divorce. This is for life. And I'm just like, that is, <sighs> I respect that you love him, but this, this, it's unhealthy to a point. That's a good point. No, that's a really good point. And I think, and see, so here's the other side. I mean, I, I'm, I'm about to be conscious of time because I, oh, I don't yeah. want to just keep going <laughs> on this. Um, but I, 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 I think one of the things that gets screwed up that drives me nuts is particularly with religious people and especially in the evangelical world, persons of color evangelical world, is that the only people that can be moral and ethical are people who have God. Um, mm-hmm. And that drives me nuts when I, and, and it was, and it's one of the reasons why I don't get asked back to a lot of fucking places to, to come back and talk. <laughs> so, um, it, it, you know, but there's, I, this notion that things aren't well thought out. Um, you know, I was driving through Indiana the other day and there's a or where was no, 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 Wisconsin, Wisconsin. That's right. It was Wisconsin coming through Wisconsin. And there were almost I would say probably two or three dozen you know, road signs that said, you know, thank your mother because she was pro-life. And I'm like, uh, OK, all right. Ugh. First of all, um, but I also think about. And so I've and I've shared this on the show before. God rest my biological grandmother's soul. She passed away this last year. However, as religious and conservative and as Southern Baptist as she was, when my when she found out that my mom had gotten pregnant by a black man, she encouraged her to go out and get an abortion. Like mm. that was like some crazy shit. And that's that's not yeah. I'm not I'm not going off of that. I'm I'm going back to the religious point. Is that there's this moral idea that only people with religious imagination can be moral. I'm like, um, hold up. Yeah. Hold up now. Let's stop the tracks now. <laughs> we only need to go back a few years to see the evil and mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the misdoings of, of that. And, and we don't even want to get into, you know, what happened during slavery and then mm-hmm. the conquistador, you know, father, I mean, the whole nine, right? I mean, he's like, these things were all done in the name of God. So I'm, I, it, I have issues with that. I'm like, wow, man. Yeah. So let me ask this yeah. as we, as we wrap up, cause, uh, I, I, again, I, this, this is, this is a whole book in the making. So, <laughs> oh, um, what, uh, I mean, in terms of, I'll just ask this, this dumb question. Cause I, I'm, I'm sure there's some, some listeners who are thinking it. What are your perceptions then in the afterlife? I, I just had last week's episode was on death and the afterlife and all that. I'd oh, love okay. to hear your perceptions on that and all the good stuff there. And feel free to get into astrophysics and astrobiology <laughs> and all that good stuff. Oh, this is hard because it's 
I don't like the answer. Like, I don't, I, I believe that there's nothing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Come on. But I don't like that answer. Like it's, it's a piece of me that is like, we're all from star stuff and we return to it pretty much. But like, I, I wish there was more. I wish these things were real. Like I wish reincarnation was real. I wish like I, but I think at the end of the day, like for me to live my life to the fullest, I, I can't operate under the assumption that there might be something next Mm. in order for me to push myself and to get advantage of the work that I've done to reward myself. Right. Like, cause one of the other reasons I, I, one of the things I hate is when my mom says, well, you're so blessed. It's like, no mom, I stayed up every day until 6am to write this, this thesis. I'm not blessed. I worked very hard. (laughs) Um, and for, I feel like when it comes to the afterlife, I think so many people are focused on what's next that they forget what, what's right now. Mm. And so even though I, I, I genuinely hope that there's something, you know, I, scientific, we cannot prove anything on that front, right? Like there's, there's no real, there's no hard evidence and fact. And that, that's what I base a lot of my life on. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's all emotion. Yeah. Um, and while I hope there's something, I, I will never act like there is something. Um, I, I don't believe there is something after death um, because I'm not going to lose what I'm not going to lose the life that I have now. Um, and having having struggled and still, you know, and in some senses still struggling um, for the last 15 years with my with mental health. Um, with, with my own mental health um, mm-hmm. through obsessive thoughts and anxiety and depression and, and, and disordered eating and and all these things, it, it it scares me to think about death. But at the same time, if I don't see an endpoint to what I'm doing, I may not take the risks that have paid off in my life mm. um, because That's I only deep. get one shot. That's deep. Whoo. Man, Kate Sanchez, the reverend, the atheist reverend. I love it. Oh my gosh, that's good. That's good. Um, all right, real quick then, as we as we wrap up here, thoughts on Game of Thrones? Come on. Oh boy, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is that's a whole other thing. Um, I will. The only things I will say is. they are fucked for putting Masande back in fucking chains. <laughs> All right. And if they were going to do that, they should have had her jump instead of having her die that way. Okay, okay. That is terrible and atrocious writing and not true to the character and extremely shows that they do not care about people of color in their show because they can't even stay true to their characters. Um, I got a lot of feelings on that. Um and it's just bad pacing and I want to love it and I want to love things. And John should have pet his damn dog. <laughs> um, I'm struggling with Game of Thrones right now. Okay. I, need, I, need, I, need, I need a support system. There you go. For Game of Thrones right now because it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of disappointment. <laughs> All right. So because again, those of you just listening, uh, uh, Kate is, is an expert on pop culture comic stuff. So I, that's why I had to throw that out there. So what about Endgame? Ooh, oh, that's a whole other story. I loved it. Uh, I don't care that it has logic issues. It is the best damn comic movie in existence and it is perfect. And I, I, it, 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 I don't know if I will ever get to feel that type of an emotional event in pop culture again. 
um, that movie had uh, 22, 21 films leading up to it, 11 years. Like we've grown up with it. And, and it wow. was, yeah. it, it was a moment, the energy in my theater, right? Like I go to festival yes. screenings mm-hmm. and there's this, there's, when I go to festival screenings of movies, there's this love for the medium that people just, just exude and they respond and they react. And, and it's not in a way that's distracting. It's in a way that you can feel the energy for the film. And hmm. that was end game. It yes. was everybody yeah. was sharing like this collective experience mm-hmm. in it. And I have never had that before. Um, not to that level. Like I felt connected to every person. I heard people crying. I was crying. Matt had to like be like, hey, stop. I can't hear what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, I loved Endgame. That's I a whole bunch. Yeah, I've only seen it twice. I need to go back again. I mean, and I will say this. We have a little kind of a cheap theater that my daughter and I go to. Not cheap, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it, there's usually not a lot of people there. Yeah. I, I, to, to date, it is still packed. Like I can look online and look at the seats that are available. And it's, I mean, the, the movie is still bringing people in um, and whatnot. So, yeah, no, yeah. that's, 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 that's deep. Yeah. That's deep. I, I, I've seen it twice as well. I do want to go see it again. Okay. <laughs> Last one. So this is the so this is the last one. I that's one. But Star Wars coming up December. Okay, so I actually came and talked about the Last Jedi on your on on your show. Yes, I loved it. (laughs) Um, I'm not the biggest fan of that movie, but ooh, that trailer, that trailer for Rise of the Skywalker had me in my emotions. Mm -hmm. It it was just like the music and Carrie Fisher yeah, and just like Ray is back to being just overpowered and I love it. And I'm, I'm excited. I am so excited. Like I feel it in my bones. I'm excited for rise of the Skywalker. And I'm also excited for the TV content we're getting like guys, actors named Diego and Pedro are leading the first live action Star Wars TV shows. Let that sink in. That's really cool. Wow. Like See. I would have never thought about. There's still no Latinas in Star Wars, but um, that's a topic for another day. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to come back to that one right there. Oh. Um, but I'm just I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Yes. Well, I mean, for sure we'll have some some speaks on that once once that comes out but yeah i love the trailer it was it was amazing so was that a death star that i saw at the end there was that yes part? yeah yeah it's it's the ruins of a death star of the death star whoa okay. yeah all right all right so <laughs> <laughs> well listen kate thank you so much for coming on today where can folks find you where can they bring you out um and and and, and pay you nice fat honorarium Ooh. I would like that. Um, yes, you can find me on Twitter at Oh My Myth Randier, um, O-H-M-Y-M-I-T-H-R-A-N-D-I-R. Um, it is a pop culture reference. If you understand it, you get a gold star. Um, <laughs> and you can find all my, oh, my podcast. At, uh, my podcast is But Why Though? It's a pop culture podcast where every week we talk about different pieces of pop culture that people say matter. And we ask, but why though? We analyze them culturally, historically, societally, and we get into it. And uh, you can find all of my writing at my website, butwhythoughpodcast.com. There you'll also find all of the writings of our entire community. We're about 20 writers strong now. We have a a podcast network of, of 10 
amazing pop culture podcasts um, that you can you can you can peruse through. Um, that's that's pretty much it. That's how you can find me. I'm I'm always there. That's good I'm stuff. always talking. That is good <laughs> stuff. And yes, and please keep talking. And I will for those again for those listening. I'll put all these in the show notes. Those links. Whitehouse Kate, continue to do the great work. Thank you so much, Dan. <laughs>